0: First up, we're going to have Mark Rushbrook, who's the global dire- director of Ford Performance. And he oversees all of Ford's uh, racing and performance activities in NASCAR, IMSA, NHRA, Formula Drift uh, in, in North America, WRC, and Australian supercars overseas. And for me, it's, it's personal. Uh, I'm here because of Ford. Uh, when Ford moved into motorsports, revolutionized the sport globally, it, it ushered in the modern age, and in 1963, they, and two, they made a move into motorsports, and uh, they were trying to find uh, younger buyers and younger potential buyers, I think I'm on my ninth Ford now, they got me, and uh, I was so impressed and inspired by what I saw with Ford's racing activities, Uh, and what we have now that Ford is doing is, is really impressive, and again, youth targeted in many areas, and Mark, welcome to our program.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: And uh, it's our first meeting, actually. And uh, I know you've spoken to my team. (laughs) It's great to see you. And uh, uh, it's been a very interesting year, hasn't it?
1: It has been. Uh, So many things have happened throughout the year. And uh, it's been a challenge for for everybody around the world in all aspects uh, of life, uh, and especially in the motorsports world. been a very interesting season uh, but really impressed with how a lot of the motorsports series have been able to pull off a lot of great racing which i think is good for people of the world to have some sense of normalcy uh, to see a race on television
0: that's right and, and you know one of the things we've been talking about all week is that we saw this incredible growth on our digital platforms that was unexpected we were concerned when the pandemic hit <clears throat> that would we, we would see a downturn and what we saw was very normal traffic during the eSports period. It was as if we were running real races, but the audience trended massively younger. Uh, and they've stayed with us, by the way. And then we're up like close to 45% year over year, 1.4, 1.5-ish million more unique uh, users rather coming to our site this year in the first 11 months and the year before. And what I think's happened is people that love racing want to be with it during this pandemic, even if they can't be in the grandstands. I think that's a good sign for your investment in motorsports, don't you?
1: Yeah, we, we think it's great. I and mean, we obviously we were worried in in March when the, the the economy everything started shutting down and and the racing series were all canceled. We weren't sure what was going to happen. Were we going to race at all this year? And it's been a real testament, I think, to the the different series uh, to be able to put races on in this very challenging environment, especially NASCAR to be able to achieve for their top three levels, Cup Xfinity and and Truck to be able to have a complete season of all the races and ending on time in Phoenix on the weekend that it was supposed to. Uh, NHRA didn't get a full season, but but they got a good number of races in. Uh, It's certainly been a challenge around the world with the World Rally Championship. They're running their last rally of the year uh, right now this weekend. I think stage six just finished a few hours ago. Um, that's been the most challenging I think given the, the breadth uh, global breadth of what that is with all the teams in different countries, all the rallies in different countries and the expanse of, of what a rally is not just in the circuit but out through all the, all the public roads. Um, and Australia supercars did a, a fantastic job of getting a lot of races in. So I think it's a testament uh, of the people that are in motorsports, that they have such a drive when there's a goal, when there's something to achieve, whether it's getting a car on track to start a race or, or getting to the finish line to, to finish or to win a race, or in this case of the organizers to be able to put the race on. They were working with all the local organizations, whether it was a county, a state, a country, to be able to put these events on with such passion and then the, the teams to be able to get cars and people and, and put on a race and event. And even when uh, fans weren't able to attend, like you said, for a fan to be able to see a race on TV, at least it was some sense of normalcy and, and maybe for that two, three, four hours, they can forget the world a little bit and, and have a little recharge by uh, imbra- uh, immersing themselves into something that they love and feel a little bit better from the end of it. So really happy with, uh, to be part of the, the industry and, and all so many great people to, to be able to put these races on this year.
0: Yeah. And I think it's heroic, actually. Uh, the, the moment when NASCAR went back on track, I was overcome with emotion. It was, you know, it, uh, I, I've lived 47 years of my life at, inside of motorsports, And, uh, that was one of the most inspired, inspiring moments uh, I felt in that entire 47 years. And uh, uh, thank you everyone at NASCAR for, for showing the world what racers are made of. Uh, and I also want to say, uh, I feel the same way about the people working inside these car companies and race teams and in your team, at Ford Performance and Motorsports side of the business. Tell us a little bit of how you manage this, because this had to be a you know, we're, we're here to solve problems in motorsports. This had to be a really new set of problems for you and your team to solve. Tell us about that.
1: It, it was, for sure. We weren't, we weren't sure how all of this was going to work with the schedule or um, how everything happened at the track and especially how to prepare to go to the track. So with the first idea of no practice, no qualifying, show up and race, uh, I think the immediate reaction from everybody, drivers, crew chiefs, OEMs was, okay, that's a little bit crazy, but we understand that's how it needs to happen to be able to go yeah. race safely. But in many ways, the the mission that we have been on as a company and and throughout the sport to be uh, stronger analytically with our tools where we don't get to test like we used to in the past, yeah. um, this was just one more step. So instead of just no testing, it literally was no practice, even, even on the race weekend. So the The strength of our analytical tools, whether it's a desktop simulation or a full driver in the loop, six degree of freedom driving simulator, our aerodynamic tools, all of them, which we've been building for so long, really got put to the test this year so that the drivers could go into turn one at whatever speed, 180 miles an hour, name the track with 40 cars, they've got to have the confidence that their car is going to turn like they expect it's going to turn. Um, yeah. so our simulator was able to do that and our simulator worked. we have two of them at in our tech center in north carolina and they were working some very long days to be able to get all the teams and drivers through so that when they got to the track and and went out to race that they were ready the car and the driver
0: well I, you know uh, in racing we're all trying to get to the future first and learn faster than the competition uh you have to be grateful that this was in place and that there was vision that would put this in place uh, and that the tools were tested and they worked. Uh, You know, you do, you know, you're doing this now uh, uh, in, you know, real life, real time, uh, maybe more completely than you'd planned this season. Uh, But this is the way you're going to roll from here on out, isn't it? This is pretty much the mindset of the company uh, uh, approaching motorsport.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. In the motorsport world, we've been moving in this direction for, fewer prototypes, less testing, less practice. So this really just took us to that next level. And those exact same tools have also uh, translated to what we're doing with the development of our road car. So at the same time, we had to use our simulators more to prepare for going racing. Our company was facing the same challenge with limited resources or prototypes or ability. We had to keep developing new cars for the future, right? So that we have our new yeah, F-150 yeah. coming out, the new Mustang Mach-E, the new Bronco, Bronco Sport, and our simulator at the tech center is used for those as well. So it, there was a, a lot of competition for time on those simulators to use it for racing, but also to responsibly use it to advance the development of our road cars. And we were able to do that, um, and that has that's a big statement I think for our company and the the purpose of part of why we go racing is not just to win races and championships. Championships on the track, that's important. That's part of why we're here, but also to develop tools like the simulator that we can then use to develop and make better road cars. And that definitely has happened this year. And, and that is in some of the products that's launching right now, such as the Mustang Mach E.
0: Right. And I think what I'm also seeing is, uh, you know, this reset of mindset uh, that competitive mindset uh, with these tools always in the forefront. That's, that's terrific. Uh, You know, when we, we uh, look at kind of the way the world is changing, you know, there, uh, Ford has had this really kind of interesting posture relative to things that are progressive uh, in, in, motorsports or in performance or in either leaning into things that really touch youth culture and bring young people into the performance market. Um, they all, in my mind, they all fit together. Uh, and uh, I, I have to ask you, you know, the uh, electric racing is is on the horizon. We've just been talking about NASCAR. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I, I think this is the, I would call it the electric elephant in the room now for everybody in motorsports. Where I think uh, I've been racing electric vehicles since I was nine. I had a slot car set, and uh, I think they're awesome. Uh, me too. <laughs> me. I got scale electric. Yep. Okay, good for you. Uh, uh, we, we, I think we have to have a race, Mark. All
1: right, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> I'm challenging you right now. <laughs> um, I want the Ford GT, um, but uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about uh, you know uh, just where that that fits because you've got some very interesting. Uh, things you're introducing and bringing to the world, it's that screen performance, they say, look, we're committed to this market, this electric vehicle market. Just tell me where that fits under your portfolio of things you do.
1: Yeah, that, that's very important for us just as our road car products are moving to more hybrids and more full electrics. There's so many coming so quickly for us, for the total industry and especially for us as a company. And part of our charter in motorsports is to be relevant to what we race on the track uh, so that it matches up to what we have in the showroom. So there's hybrid coming in, in some of the series. So WRC goes to hybrid in 2022. So we're really excited about that and the opportunity to compete in a hybrid product there. Uh, NASCAR with a new next-gen car. Uh, the new car comes in 2022. And part of that car, although we won't have hybrid in 22, part of that car allows the opportunity to add hybrid to it. So that can come in 2023 once we understand the the new car with a combustion engine. So that's fantastic for us to be able to race in hybrid and two existing series where we already are very soon. Um, The next step is full electric. And that's been the challenge for us is trying to find the right series. We know that we want to race in something full electric um, so that we have that ability for technical learning, innovation, transferring that to our products but also telling the story about our products and about our company in that series. And there's limited, have been limited options and we didn't think any of those were right for us. And there are several new series. I would say there's four that are gonna be, four new series that are proposed to be starting uh, between now and the start of 2023. Um, So, so there's a lot coming in that space and we're excited about the opportunity to go race in that space, but with uh, trying to have that technical and innovation learning opportunity, we didn't want to wait for a series. So we went off this year and we built two demonstrators, the Mustang Mach-E 1400, the the Mustang Cobra Jet 1400. So both named 1400 for 1400 horsepower. Obviously the Cobra had a a dedicated straight line drag car, but capable of a eight second run at 160 plus miles an hour. And the Mustang Mach-E 1400, which has three motors in the front, four motors in the back to get to that 1400 horsepower. And it's an all around athlete. It it can be used uh, for drifting. It can be used for a road course. Um, take it anywhere you want. It's got high performance. We developed that jointly with RTR and, and Von Gittin, Jr., and it's been, a, been sent around the world a little bit already over in Europe for a couple months and, and now back with us in the, in the U.S., and it's going to go out around the rest of the world again next year as well. But those have been fantastic for telling a story about our company's commitment to electrification. We've learned from those products already, some direct transfer to impacting our Mustang Mach-E that's launching right now. Um, and it's just been fantastic to see the reception. Uh, people are so amazed about what electric vehicles are capable when they see it firsthand.
0: Yes, indeed. And I mean, I, uh, we have a little history in our world. We worked with an a, a electric vehicle company in our agency years ago. It's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Tesla. And we we did their first launch video for a, a, a car a Model S, and I went for a ride in a with a designer in, in a roadster, and I was shocked at how much torque and how much just raw acceleration. Now everything's come very far forward since then. I mean, I think about these cars as performance enhancements, not some you know oh this is off on the side, it's just a silly little technology. These in the end may be a vastly superior performance technology. Yeah.
1: The, yeah. Uh, I just some comments on that, right? The the driving experience of a street car with full electric, as you said, it's the the torque and available from a from a standing start and, and what that means, and it, it changes the sound of the vehicle. You don't have that that nice throaty internal combustion engine sound, um, but you get a you still get a performance sound from electric motors. It's just different. Um, you learn to adapt to it very, very, very quickly, but it's also so smooth, as you said, right? Because you can oh, yeah. with the controls, you can smoothly bring on that torque, and it's such a seamless experience. It's fantastic on what you can do, even on the streetcar. And we're excited. Our family's getting a Mustang Maki. It was just built a couple weeks ago. I can't wait for it to get shipped and to receive it. We've got the charger in the garage ready to go. Um, but and excited about what we can do with that on the on the street my son young son included and and what we've been able to learn on these 1400 demonstrators taking it to such an extreme yeah. level with that horsepower but the important thing with the horsepower and what we've learned is not not just the horsepower but it's the battery cells and the chemistry and the ability, the ability to draw the current and control the temperatures Uh, properly with that so a lot of advanced control systems to be able to do that and then what you can do like the Cobra Jet 1400 the engineers just look at the driver and say well what do you want to run an an 8.5 and 8.4 and 8.3 okay put it in and and just just tremendous the driver's still in control obviously and and has a big impact on that but it just it's very smooth in the torque delivery
0: Yes, and and uh, you know I do I do see too the young people I've, I've got teenage uh, children that one's studying to be an engineer and the others an artist but in their peer group their friends electric vehicles are pinnacle vehicles to them they're that's what they look to they they aspire to this uh, and uh, I think as a as an industry we're going to have to understand that we have to coexist with that I mean we're still there's still people that love gasoline powered uh, uh, race cars. There was somebody uh, yesterday, really exciting, listening to him talk about diesel-powered <laughs> truck racing. Uh, there's uh, many cultures, many tribes of motorsports, but you know, you're know, you also, in parallel to doing these forward looking progressive things, uh, you're also part of this process to bring the sport forward, to continue to keep it relevant, continue to uh, um, be engaged in the main forms of motorsport on the global stage. And this, this move in NASCAR to the next gen car and the powertrain, you know, evolution that we're going to see there and the move to road courses, um, you know, there's, th- this is the most change I've seen in NASCAR in such a short period of time. And I've been around NASCAR, you know, since I was a teenager. And it's really, it, it's encouraging to me, the responsiveness here. How is your, how is your team? involved in this? how does that process work of interacting with the sanctioning body and evolving and developing a car and a, and a competitive package for forward racing teams?
1: Yeah, I, I, the, the leadership at NASCAR and the vision and the, the recognition that they need to change to be competitive and to make their sport better, our sport better, it's, it's great to see with Jim France and Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell and, and everything that they are doing with things like the schedule, like you said, to go to road courses, more short tracks coming. I think that's just a great sign that they understand that fans want to see something different, something to talk about, exciting racing, and not the same schedule every year, the same racing from one intermediate track to the next intermediate track. So I think it's a fantastic sign of of what they've done with that schedule for 2021. So we're excited to go to some of those new tracks the vision to uh change to the new car with the next gen car coming and unfortunately with covid it had been planned for 21 but but now it's been delayed to 2022 and, and that's okay right we still got a great gen 6 cars that we can race on the track in 2021 and and a lot of anticipation coming for the new next gen car in 2022 and it's it's great for us as a manufacturer because of the relevancy it's going to our new Mustang for 2022 looks fantastic. I can't wait to show the world. Um, The proportions on the car have changed. The size of the car has changed a little bit and it's very close to, to what we have in the showroom and we're excited about that. And then underneath the car, the relevancy with an independent rear suspension with a rack and pinion steering system, and that just makes it better for us for transferring what we learn on the racetrack back to our road cars. So so we really appreciate what the sport has done to, to bring that relevancy closer between the, the race cars and our, our street cars, but it's a lot of work. And the industry has really pulled together to do that with the design of the new cars. So all three OEMs to do their aero work and uh, getting the sign off through the homologation process for, for the new shape, but then also working out the, the chassis kinematic, kinematics, the, the aerodynamics over the car, under the car, through the car for cooling. And now there's a, still a lot more work to do as we're going to get our first uh, wheel force transducer car that we'll be able to test early next year to really understand all the loads coming in. And then the teams will get their test cars by the middle of the year. So it's gonna be a, a tough 2021, cause we want our teams, they all wanna go win all the races through the year and win the championship. But at the same time, we've got to be developing a, a, the next gen car to be competitive and, and winning in 2022. So um, a lot of work again, it's stressing our analytical tools cause at this point we don't have our own car yet but we've done yeah. a lot of laps in the simulator around yeah. a lot of different tracks um, advancing the chassis and the aerodynamics to, to as much as we can. And we'll keep doing that in, until we get our first car next year.
0: Yes, and you're also doing that in an uncertain environment with the pandemic. Uh, not sure when that's going to pass in, in, and become less of an issue in our lives. Um, but racers solve problems. That's been a theme of this entire week. Right. And, and there's no more competitive group of humans, I think, on the earth than racers. Uh, um, and I, I I have to say that you know, looking at this, and I want to dwell on NASCAR for a moment, because uh, we've seen, again, we can look at the analytics, you know, we, that's one of the nice things about the digital age, we can see how many things are being shared, we can see what stories are taking off, what's happening in the content. And it's like somebody hit NASCAR with a defibrillator this year, and it's come alive in the audience, Uh, maybe because they can't go to the racetrack, that could be part of it. But We've seen, you know, get massive numbers of shares and, and just audience enthusiasm. Uh, and, and it could really relate to the heroic return of the sport and the miraculous uh, events following the Daytona 500. And we get to see uh, Ryan Newman, thank God, walk out of the hospital with his daughters by his side. But something's happened in that sport where I, I, it starts to feel like this is, this is a really strong resurgence of passion for the sport. And... When you look at this, um, NASCAR uh, is is the one form of motorsport that's really touched up into the stratosphere of mainstream sports. Racing did not take as big a hit as many of the stick and ball sports this year on ratings. And we can tell by that just the passion indicators we see in the digital place. Do you think this is an opportunity for racing to really gain market share and and move forward to some areas that, that uh, you know, unexpectedly so maybe?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, we've reviewed the numbers as we get them internally and with each of the different series and it has been very much a positive for motorsports. And we just need to keep taking advantage of that opportunity as we go forward, right? When, when you get this momentum, just keep it going. Um, so that's why we're happy to see a, a lot of the changes that are continuing in the, in the sport uh, 421 and we know beyond that. To keep that momentum going, we've got we've got people's attention and and they're with us and we've got to keep them.
0: Yeah, and I think what happens there's a there's a deep emotional commitment to a true race fan in the sport. From some of the research we've looked at, you know, they're real advocates of the sport. They're passionately committed to it, and uh, maybe more so now than they were 12 months ago. Yeah. Uh, and I just you know looking at the entire sport and everyone in it, I said, let's use it or lose it. You know. And were you bringing new product to market? You doing the exciting things you do, I think helps that. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, sports car racing. You have the GT4 program. Uh, uh, do you wanna take that you know, further than what you have now?
1: Yeah, we do. So we've been excited. We've had that program for three years now. It's been a great car. Um, sold many of those around the world, had, had some racing in Europe, have, have them racing here. We've got a car over in, in Australia. Um, so it's great global reach for us, um, very relevant because it's it's very close to the to the street car. Uh, we've got a lot of teams racing them, but then we also use that car to help with some of our driver development training. So coming up uh, through with Austin Sindrick and, and Chase Briscoe, they were running Mustang GT4s at Daytona through IMSA, and that's helped them advance and develop some skills. And and now with Haley Deegan as well, we've, we've had her in for a couple of races this year and, and plan to do some of that again next year. So the car's is great. Uh, we've got a, a lot of connection with customers that have bought the car and, and are racing the car and, and they were able to use it to support some of our other programs uh, to develop our young drivers.
0: Yeah, it's just a really beautiful car, and I will add an asterisk to that: the slot car is out now too, so uh, yeah. the world is complete. <laughs> I've been waiting for that. Uh, but uh, the, uh, you know, the you were on the road racing side. Um, you know, the, I'll just say that the Ford GT program, the original Ford GT program, uh, uh, was really the intoxicating vapor that really put me over the edge and made me want to devote my life to the sport you know it's it's an epic story and you were directly involved in the next chapter of that epic story uh can you tell us about that and 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 what you did and how that came to be and what it was like to be literally making history
1: yeah it was a a surreal experience and the opportunity came about so a little bit of background I've I've always been a a car guy a car person grew up that way and tinkering with cars and trying to fix the the rusty ones out in the farm field or from the barn and and then trained in engineering and came it just logically came into the auto industry as an engineer loving cars and did some grassroots racing myself on the side and All of my time at at Ford, the first 13 or 14 years was all in vehicle engineering, whether it was in vehicle dynamics or over as a vehicle engineering manager, as I was for the 2005 Mustang, which was was a great opportunity and um, just knew the company very well in terms of all the different subsystems and and components. And in 2013, um, when some of our senior leaders came to me and said, hey, we'd like you to Go work in, in Ford racing. And I said, well, well, wait, I'm happy with what I'm doing here in vehicle engineering. I love racing, and but but why? And they said, Well, the 50th anniversary of the GT40 winning at Le Mans is coming up in 2016 and would like to put together a program to, to go race there. And I I mean I just like I froze because it was just yeah. and I'm getting goosebumps now, just thinking well, about that, that have... moment.
0: What a moment. Um, though.
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? That's, this is a dream. I, yes. I'm in what, okay. I'm in. And so, so that's, that happened in November, December of, of 2013. And some of the work had already started, but I came in at that point, I came into motorsports as the engineering manager um, and was able to work with Multimatic and Chip Ganassi racing and and great resources inside our, our company to, to, they knew the time was tight because we only had two years, 2014, 2015, to be ready to go compete and win in 2016. Um, so great support from our, our senior leaders, um, especially Ed, Edsel Ford, uh, at, as we call the godfather of Ford racing, um, throughout and throughout the Ford family and our senior leaders to what resources do you need? Let's go do this. And uh, to have those resources, to have the support of the company, um, emotionally as well. And to be working with, with great partners like Chip Ganassi and, and his team, Multimatic, Doug Yates at Roush Yates, Michelin tires as a partner. Um, it, it took a lot of work over those two years. And then suddenly it was, it was almost a, a surreal moment in the middle of the race at Lamar in 2016. I'm like, what, wait, what just happened? The last two and a half years, suddenly we're already here in the race. Cause your head is down and you're focused yeah. for so long. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, we're really here. We're up late, we're racing. Um, just an incredible experience to get ready for it. And then to be successful and to get the win was such a proud moment for our company, for the employees, for the Ford family members and our senior executives that were there. Um, it, it's a special moment that, that I will never forget. Um, just certainly a highlight of, of what I've been able to do so far.
0: Yes, I want to talk about that moment for a moment. You know, I, I you know, Chip is a friend of forty years. Mike Hall was my driving school instructor, and my, uh, uh, you know, ran me in Formula Ford. You know, uh, and uh, uh, you know, it felt very personal, obviously, because of that connection. But the nine-year nine-year-old boy in my heart uh, was overcome with emotion, and you know, to the day, to the moment, yeah, I still feel it. Uh, this happened. What was it like to be in that moment? Given the work that you personally and the team and the people around you and the passion behind that project, because we're all racers, we know what this means. This, I, I think I want you know it, there has to be something that makes it worth it. What was that moment like for you? Just in that moment,
1: it it, it was again. D- um, unbelievable that it was happening, right? It, it's yeah. a, a dream, is it really happening? It, it has happened, you realize that it has, but you're still, and then seeing all the faces. So from all of the individuals that were committed so long with all the testing, the crew, all the crew members, it takes so many people, it's all about people, right? To, to sure make is. this happen. Sure and is. to have everybody there, um, as I said, the Ford family members, um, the executives, through everybody that had had, had all those sleepless nights and, and long tests, everybody was there. Um, and it was so great to just be able to walk around the garage and, and hug and tears and, and everything. It was, it was a special moment, special yeah, moment.
0: And, and I, uh, I've got to imagine for many people in that program, that's the high point of their professional career and their life uh, in a professional sense that this happened.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: Yes. And, and I do have to say, there's something I love about Ford is the spirit of fun. I, my friends that I didn't go to Lamo that year, but they kept sending me the pictures of the slot car track that was there. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a little boy inside Ford too. Uh, and I, I've, I've, I've got to say another thing. And what's interesting about some of your motorsports activities, they tell a story. They're not just, um, Hey, let's go execute. There's something behind them that has a narrative. Is that intentional uh, or is it just lucky happenstance?
1: No, I mean, this is a family company and uh, I've felt it from day one, even when I was working in the, the mainstream program, that's not a big automotive company. It's a family company. Yes, we make cars, um, but we're a family and a family of employees, and it feels great to be part of that family. And, and I definitely felt it on the on the mainstream, on the road car side and and to have this opportunity. It's been seven years now that, that I've been here in motorsports, the The first four years as an engineering manager, these last three years as the global director. And um, it's a special opportunity, I feel so fortunate that to have this position, knowing how. Uh, motorsports. It's part of the company. It's part of the DNA of the company. It's how the company was founded with Henry Ford winning the race with sweepstakes. and, And ultimately that notoriety and that technology helped him form what is now today Ford Motor Company. And um, that stays with us today. And it is, if you come to our tech center in North Carolina, would love to have you there. That's the entryway. And, and that tells the story of how our company was founded and what our mission is today, that we need to deliver those meaningful race wins and championship wins. The innovation and tech transfer is, is part of what we need to do to use the tools for the company to help us be successful, but to make those tools the products, the parts to make those better and to make our road cars better. We use it for people development. Um, we yeah. literally take, uh, bring engineers and employees from mainstream. They come to work with us for two or three year assignments. And then they go back to instill that, that passion, um, that drive for we need to get this Today, you can't just write a five D to say it's okay to miss a milestone. You, you've got to be there to take the green flag to start the race on time. There's there's no excuse. Um, so, people development is a huge part of it, and then marketing, telling our stories and uh, about our products, but also our people and our company all through motorsports. So it's a a very special part of the company. We're able to, we have such an outward facing voice and face for the company, but also inward facing. And and I love seeing on our Ford homepage on Monday morning when we've been successful, whether it's with a race or with a championship, to be able to see on the homepage, a picture of, of the race win and a little story about it. And employees tell us all the time, how, how much that means to them. And And especially in the case back to 2016 Lamar. not only was it putting that picture on the homepage, but we actually um, brought the car and the drivers and the team to Dearborn and had such a a great celebration there and it, it was so evident then that, I mean, you see on the homepage, you see people like it and that's great, but when we had that car there and the drivers and so many people that came to it and I remember walking to it and overhearing some of the employees as they're walking through the parking lot and their genuine excitement and then seeing them so excited to, to see the actual drivers we ran out of posters and Sharpies and everything else they were just so well, many people different. there but um, it means a lot to the company
0: and you know we've used you used the word meaning a little while ago um, that's a big differentiator for Ford's Motorsports activities uh, they create meaning and emotional meaning and Think there's a lesson for everybody else in this business uh, you know there's another company that do that does that very well is Porsche um I, I think uh you know you are two competing symphony orchestras when when it comes to that and you know of course Ferrari but really that's just ongoing narrative and I I think that you know there are other places you race that uh you know you learn from racing obviously all these things but what I think you learn is you find your voice and you tell your story well with it Henry Ford did you know I went to the Henry Ford. Uh, it seems like a thousand years ago earlier this year, uh, on a tour with Kevin Kennedy and 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 the team from the museum, and to stand and look at sweepstakes. Uh, you know, it's an emotional thing to look at because you realize how many lives that car impacted yeah. uh, around the world. How many families benefited from the courage of racing, and the, the courage and commitment to ideals and ideas. That racing represents and uh, it's powerful, you know. There's no greater statement than what Ford Motor Company has done. And I, I, I pivot now to NAS- from NASCAR to NHRA, which is, you know, uh, the other really truly American sport, um, and that Ford has been deeply involved in. Tell us about what you're doing there and what you see going forward.
1: Yeah, the the fans of NHRA are incredible. I, I love going to the NHRA events and. First of all, the spectacle of seeing those cars, it never gets old, um, but the fans and what's great about NHRA is they have such good access to the, to the pits and the drivers and the, and the cars. And, and the, it's so great to connect with them and talk to them and they will come up and, and talk to us or, or, or hearing them talk to Bob Tasca. And it's just great to be able to connect with them in that way and to have a Mustang competing there, to be able to use our technical tools for developing that body and the aerodynamics and the speed at which they go down the track and or the transition of the speed, the acceleration and how the aerodynamics has to account for that and shifting the balance as, as the speed increases is an important use of our tools and, and helping to, to help our drivers and cars be competitive um with that but the connection to the fans and and when we took our cobra jet 1400 there the electric yeah. i wasn't sure what to expect honestly it i didn't know if there was going to be pushback from people that said no this isn't an engine it's a motor and it's not right it doesn't belong here it was the exact opposite i we never saw anything negative i never saw anything negative it was um non-stop interest in the car when it was in the garage with people just coming up they wanted to look at it they wanted to talk about it they wanted to understand it and then when they saw it out there on the track and we would run it with uh, the electric cobra jet 1400 next to a combustion engine cobra jet um, running side by side and legitimately going for the win uh, demonstrated what electric was capable of. And the fans just embraced that. And, and that's what we love about NHRA is the ability to connect with those fans and to to tell our story and to, and to hear from them directly um, what they want to talk to, anything they want to talk about.
0: Yeah. And I think the nice thing about the, the, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I'd go to, we had a lot of great drag strips local to us here in Southern California. So, you know, I love all forms of racing. I've, and I think the glue is still on my finger from building all the funny car models I used to build as a kid. But I, I think the one thing that you get when you're at a drag race is you get that you're welcome. It, it's, it's an environment that's for you. It's not just for the co- competitors. It's, it, you feel one with the sport when you're at a drag race. And the, the, the thing I think that is at the heart um, of drag racing is rival, direct rivalry. Uh, brand against brand competitor against competitor. And what I like about drag racing, it's the first place where we really saw women come to the forefront and be championship winning talent. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, uh, and it's, it's, uh, when I look at drag racing, you know, it, it's perhaps one of the places I think that electric vehicles can really excel going in the future, um, and really be a place that keeps motorsports completely relevant. Um, uh, I, I think that this, uh, this focus on the future, you know, I want to deviate because there's something else that feels this way to me too, is drifting. There's something about drifting that feels like drag racing felt to me when I was a kid. Yep. And you, you've been involved in drag racing uh, uh, and, and, and drifting in parallel universes. What's the same and what's different to you about it?
1: it it's that spectacle is the extreme of what the spectacle is to, so to see a, a, drag car go down whether it's a, a top field car or a funny car or even a sportsman car it's just such a spectacle and extreme uh demonstration of performance and i think drifting is the same but the slip angles are a little bit higher or yeah. <laughs> um, a little bit different uh, but it is that spectacle they're they're high high horsepower extreme performance and just fantastic and engaging to watch it just draws people in and it's same thing in drifting, it's the access to the drivers and the cars uh, for fans to be able to get up close and feel like they are a part of the sport. They are part of the sport. Um, and it's great to be able to connect with them. So we, we get a, a lot of, of good customer connections through our Formula Drift program, just like we do in NHRA.
0: Yes, and I, I think that you were first movers in that space, I, I think, as a company, uh, which uh, again, I think is impressive. Um, you know. Uh, Jim and Ryan had me at hello when they came to my office in 2003 because it just was so fascinating and their live streams are you know they're hypnotic to watch you know you you, what you see there is you you just look at it go I get what that's about (laughs) you know (laughs) Uh, but it's cultural I think is where I'm going with this it's cultural and uh drag racing is certainly cultural um and uh, uh, you know, I look at the future and I, I, th- I think there are going to be forms of motorsport that are emerging. There was an announcement yesterday uh, about Nitro Rallycross, which we are all, it was the buzz around here, you know, our, we're all interested in that because we think, well, you know, this has had a couple of false starts. This looks like a real start. Are you always looking at things like this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, we keep a very good, well, I would like to think that we keep a good pulse. We, we spend a lot of time Talking to the series or developing series and understanding what their plans are for the future. So definitely have had a lot of discussions over the last two years with with Nitro Rallycross and and what they're proposing and and other series that are out there as well. I think that's part of our responsibility to understand that we call it our cycle plan and what is the landscape of of opportunity of of where we we can go race and what makes sense, what is consistent with with our pillars. Um, so you're right about Rallycross. It Rallycross is a it's a Fantastic sport in terms of, again, the spectacle, uh, extreme performance of, if you've ever, if, if you've not been in a rally cross car, you, sh- you should, because yeah. what they're capable of just accelerating off the line is it's not quite a NHRA funny car, but it's pretty impressive. Um, and the races are, are great spectacles as well, but where Rallycross has, has struggled is not a, a unified approach to it or a global approach to it. It's been fragmented in the past and continues to be a, a little bit today. And that's part of what we're hoping to see in that space is um, a unified global approach where the series aren't competing with each other and it just gives one place for the teams to, to race and for the OEMs to compete against each other.
0: I think that's a common wish of anybody in a program management role like you have uh, but you know they and it's it's interesting our uh, creative director in the racer studio agency was the creative director and the original general manager of Global Rallycross so we have it's in our DNA here we we love it uh, I was at the first Global Rallycross event and I thought how can this not succeed? This is like, <laughs> this is everything you want, especially if you're a kid. Uh, and I, I look at the way motorsports is evolving and changing. And, you know, one of the things that, that makes it possible, you know, you've got WRC, which is the, it's just, a, it's an adventure. You know, you're deeply involved there still. What, what justifies that within your world? Now, I think it's a great thing, but what justifies it?
1: For WRC? Yeah, um, well, one great thing about WRC is the, the direct relevance of the cars that are competing there that, that they right. are or, or look like the, the showroom cars as well. And therefore, with the performance levels and systems that they have, a lot more direct transfer, direct technical relevance for us as well. So not just what it looks like or, or sounds like, um, but actually what we can learn and, and transfer back to our road cars. So the cars are fantastic, and especially yeah. with the, where the regulations are going into the future yeah. with, with hybrid that just continues to keep that important for us. But the, the World Rally Championship is also a, it gives us gr- really good global reach. Now, would like to see a few rallies maybe in some different countries, um, but it does have a, a pretty global calendar already. Uh, it's That's been shortened obviously this year with COVID, yeah, yeah. but uh, once we get, get through this Uh, we love the global reach that it gives us and then the passion of the fans and the number of fans because there are so many people that may never even go to a rally because of where they live in the world but there's so many followers the numbers of, of followers is really tremendous and then when there is a rally near them they go to it and the passion of those fans and it's incredible the, the patience of those fans that will stand out in the forest or fields in the cold, and I've been out there with them, and they will stand there a couple hours before the cars come through the first time for the day, and, and, and every two minutes, they go by at a, a very spectacular pace, and and all the cars will go through and, and if they're fortunate enough then uh, there may be a second stage in the afternoon and the same thing happens but those fans stand there and they have a fantastic time and it's social they're enjoying each other's company but they're also enjoying that connection to the to the cars and and the drivers and the manufacturers that are there so it's a great sport uh, very competitive sport Uh, love being in it and love what we learn from it technically, but also being able to tell our story to such a, such a big global audience.
0: Yes, indeed. And we, we have a lot of rally fans here in our company and, you know, I have been in a uh, WRC car and oh my God, it it is the most amazing thing I've ever ridden Uh, in. I just want one. (laughs) (laughs) But the uh, the thing I, I think that's fantastic about this is the car is a really present competitor. The car has got a personality. It's got a soul alongside the, the, the driver, the navigator. And it's, it's present. Uh, and it, and uh, there's a fantasy quality about the sport. Uh, well, I, I'm glad to hear that because I think it's great. You know, and the, the passion of Ford uh, in, for Ford racing, it starts at the top, doesn't it, in your company?
1: It does. It, it's uh, Several of, of our executives have said it's part of what uh, puts the blue in the Ford Oval. It's part of our DNA. Um, it's definitely there with the, with the Ford family, with, with Edsel Ford, with, with Bill Ford, um, and, and through their family members as well. Henry Ford III was, for a while, he was our global uh, Ford Performance Marketing Manager. I was working with him uh, day in and day out, and he's just such a real person and, and has that same passion as his father does and, and the rest of his family but it's also in our executives. So as you know, Jim Farley, he's, he's a bit of a car guy, um, and a little a bit. bit of a, a, bit of a, <laughs> a motorsports fan. And it's tremendous to have him leading our company, uh, but because of his base as a, as a car person and a motorsports person related to what we're doing, but also his vision for where the world is going, where the industry is going. So he, he's got that ability to connect our, our, past or present and know where we need to go to be successful in the future, that, that it's great to have him leading leading our company. Um, I have a, lo- a lot of emails from Jim, which is fantastic with, with direction or, or thoughts. And uh, he's also very receptive when I have a question or something that I want to share with him. Um, and the rest of our executives, uh, through the, the leadership and product development, through the leadership in, in all the regions, so, so Howe and Kumar and Stewart, They've all been, they're part of our Motorsports Governance Board and, and part of, of directing what we do in motorsports to make sure it stays relevant uh, and important to the company.
0: Well, it, 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 that's great to have that kind of uh, uh, supportive leadership. And, you know, I, I want to deviate from the questions set i prepared just because I've been getting uh, some questions from the audience. And the thing that always comes up, people always ask you, this is a familiar question, are you a going to go back to Le Mans uh, and <laughs> to sports car racing? Is that something you you know never say never? Is it something that's possible in the future?
1: I, yeah, I, I certainly can't commit to what our future plans are, but I think that's a never say never. The sport is always evolving, and um, the the GT program was fantastic for us for the four mm-hmm. years that we we were in in it, and it worked very well for us as a a halo for the company, both with a racing program and the tie to the road car and, and what it was, and we're still making those today. Um, the rules are always progressing. So the new prototype rules with the LMDH opportunity to race a hybrid in both IMSA and WEC to run for an overall win at Daytona and Le Mans and Sebring and, and very other iconic tracks. That's something that's very attractive. and um interested I think for a lot of manufacturers and, and certainly something that would have been part of the meetings to understand exactly what that is and, and what that future opportunity is. So I, I'd never say never um it's a Lama continues to be a great place to race and, and Daytona and and just a number of fans and and what it means to to be competing and winning at Lama is important.
0: No, it's good news because there's a nine, nine-year-old boy inside me that hopes that comes to pass. Um, and the same nine-year-old boy has got the question that he's been wanting to ask. Is this same never-say-never never true with IndyCar? Because we look at a hybrid formula in the future. We have Roger Penske, who's one of your partners in, in motorsports. He's now the owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And uh, Ford, uh, Ford history is written large at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
1: Yeah, I, again, I think that's a never-say-never. Uh, there's, honestly, there's only so much that we can do and we've got to look at uh, where we are racing in the world as well as the, the relevancy of that racing and trying to get the maximum benefit from that. So we've certainly, uh, Roger uh, has talked to us and, and the series has talked to us about what their future plans are so that it's part of our landscape that's in, in front of us to, to make those decisions of, of what makes the most sense for us.
0: Yes. And it does look like you have your hands full at the moment. You've got a lot going on and it's all very exciting stuff. Uh, what a, what a pleasant conversation. There were, there are more questions, uh, but I'm not going to have time today because you're so involved in so many great things, uh, Mark, uh, thank you for, I know you're busy too. Uh, so thank you for taking time to join us, uh, today. And, uh, and thank you for leading uh, uh, such a great team of people that contribute so much to motorsport. And uh, please give my best to Jim. Uh, 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 he's, uh, he's a racer, I know. And uh, uh, I've known him, not well, but known him for quite some time. And I, I I just, I like what I see in Ford. Just it's encouraging to me as someone who's in this business.
1: Well, thank you very much for, for having me, for allowing Ford to be part of this today. Really impressed w- with what you guys have done for for this entire week. To, to put on something very different than, than the past, but in a, a very appropriate way, give, given the world and very successful way. So uh, thanks for having me and thanks for what you've done to organize the week.
0: Well, it's our pleasure. And and uh, you've been a terrific guest, thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mark. Thank you
2: very, very much. Uh, you know what I enjoy the most? I mean, terrific session. We learned so much, Mark. And then what I enjoy was telling John, you know, uh, uh, just like. Usually, once the end of a trade show, everybody's beaten down and kind of lever on it, and we're still accelerating. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, we're still accelerating. I mean,
0: it's, just, racers.
1: Uh, it's still that's that's we really got two right more gears. Yeah, you got it push hard to the finish line that's yeah, right exactly. it's not over until
0: it's over francis that,
1: that's it i'll be so sad tonight i think i'm going to start another one in the morning
0: <laughs> yeah you know i, I see
2: like uh, uh and then there's people from everywhere i see uh, andrew craig uh through the chat here i see people i mean it's just a who's who of you know the industry it, it's wonderful so we're delighted to have you mark thank
1: you very very much
2: Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database which you can select from the drop-down. Then enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use eParTrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartTrade.